A citizen journalist arrested for telling the truth about Black Lives Matter, on trial for a crime that he did not commit, and then convicted by a corrupt district attorney. This may sound like the plotline to a political thriller film or a novel, but it's not. It's the real-life story of Michael Strickland, a journalist from Portland, Oregon, who was convicted of brandishing his firearm in a public area and causing harm to other people. This, of course, was ludicrous. And I'll be explaining the story of what happened to Mr. Strickland and why this should worry you. You're listening to the Whitfield Report, and I'm your host, Sam Whitfield. So first off, I would like to welcome you all to the brand new format for the Whitfield Report. I decided to rename the Whitfield Analysis Podcast to the Whitfield Report just because I've been doing a YouTube series uh, with American Watchmen called the Whitfield Report and um, also... I decided to change the name of the field analysis to the Woodfield Report because uh, there were some people online who were making jokes about the uh, the word analysis or uh, one part of the word analysis. If you break it down, I'm sure you could find the double meaning uh, for that. Anyway, so that's why I decided to, ch- to change the name and welcome to the uh, new show here on uh, Tape Right, if you're listening to that online, or if you're, maybe you, you're listening to this via the RSS feed, either way, I appreciate you joining me. So for this week's episode, I'd like to introduce you to the story of Mike Strickland, a citizen journalist from Portland, Oregon, who was arrested for brandishing a firearm at a Black Lives Matter event. Now, to some of you out there who are listening, this may seem pretty straightforward, right? He brandished a weapon at a Black Lives Matter protest, so therefore he should be arrested, right? Well, it's not as simple as that, ladies and gentlemen. There were political motivations behind his arrest, How I came to find out about this story was because of a mutual friend that both uh, Mike Strickland and I have. That gentleman is Leo Stratton. I've had him on the field analysis before multiple times. Uh, And I've also had Dan Sandini on the field analysis before too. And both Dan and Leo know Mike Strickland personally. They've known him for... Uh, almost half a decade, eight years. Uh, I've only known Dan and Leo for the last five years. 
so they, they've known Mike, uh, a lot longer than I have, and I don't even know Mike, I only know of him. But when, uh, when Mike got convicted on Friday, they asked me to invite them on the program to tell their side of the story and to tell Mike's side of the story. Because even though the Portland criminal justice system has made up their mind that Mike is a dirty scumbag, Leo and Dan, uh, and I, for that matter, beg to differ, and we'd like to, pre- to present another side of the story. So in this first uh, segment of the interview we did, Leo is going to explain who Mike Strickland is and just give some basic background. Cut number one, go. I'll kind of uh, let you take the reins. Uh, who was Mike Strickland or who is Mike Strickland and... Um, what is this case all about? I did a little bit of an intro to it when I recorded my monologue, but uh, I'll just kind of let you kind of uh, start us off here. Okay, well, Mike Strickland is an extraordinary uh, citizen journalist uh, with a very... Um, I don't know how many subscribers he has and multiple thousands and the multiple millions of views on the Laughing and Liberals channel. And um, he's been very active in our hotbed of communistic uh, acting society and embracing here in Portland in exposing a lot of the garbage that uh, the rest of the country doesn't hear about because, you know, we're we're edged in between uh, California and Washington here. So uh, anyway, he also has been very, very active in the um, Second Amendment rights because, um, again, uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, whatever you want to say that. Uh, so goes California, goes Oregon, and they wanted to uh, implement the same kind of Second Amendment uh, restrictions here as they have down there um, as per uh, limits on uh, rounds, you know, 10 or less, uh Background check ridiculousness. Uh, you know, if you've ever had a cold and taken the wrong kind of Sudafed, you're a psycho on medicine and should never be issued a gun. Those types of things. And uh, Mike, along with um, other individuals in this conversation when they lived here, were real active in going down and speaking uh, to the legislature as uh, citizens, as you're allowed to do, and uh, giving um, you know testimony about, uh, you know, the, the positives of retaining our Second Amendment rights, which they're constantly trying to take away. And uh, there's been a lot of very viral videos that, um, that Mike has had via Laughing with Liberals because he also, he does uh, blogging for some very popular blogs and articles, very good writing articles. So uh, he's, he's been very recognized to the cabal of um, communists here that don't want uh, their uh, screwy ideas to be exposed to the rest of the country and questioned. Um, And therefore he kind of has become an enemy to them uh, kind of, uh, you know, we're going to get him back type situations. 
Now, before I move on with playing the next clip in which Leo explains what happened, it's worth noting that what Leo means by communists in Portland, Oregon, okay, Portland, Oregon, in terms of their government, is very far to the American left, to the point where the the leadership there, from what uh, Leo and Dan have both told me over the years, multiple times, they're so far to the left in terms of the city government over in Portland, in terms of who runs the city, that it's almost quasi-communist. And this factor is going to be very important uh, in the story of Mike Strickland that you're about to hear uh, moving forward. So in this upcoming clip that I'm about to play, uh, both Leo and Dan are going to explain what Mike was doing and how he got arrested and um, the court case that resulted uh, because of him being arrested. So let's roll that clip. Goons came after him. And, and uh, previous, uh, just minutes previous to um, him filming, uh, we have what is called Portland's living room, um, you know, which should be Portland's uh, crapper, uh, which is Piner Courthouse Square, where they go down there and they do all their lunacy and parading around and everything, complaining about stuff. And uh, there was a black um, panther type down there that was basically saying, uh, you know, we need to assault people. We need to do really extreme things that, if you know. He prefaced with that. Well, you know, they proceeded over to where Mike was filming near um, Portland State University, which is now overtaken. Um, Reed College is commie central in the state for uh, commie colleges. And um, basically they, they they surrounded him and um, he, he has a concealed carry permit. And uh, they had previously uh, beat people with they carry around these little um, commie swastika flags or whatever, and you know whatever they pull off the backyard, whatever, and hang up above them to complain about something. And they're fond of using the uh, the I don't know broomsticks or whatever they hoist it up on to beat people with that they oppose. And they were closing in on Mike to you know put a beating on him to get revenge. And he simply pulled his weapon out. And he said, you know, leave me alone. Let me back away. Leave me alone. And at that point, all of a sudden, all these, you know, brave gun-hating uh, heroes on the other side started screaming like little girls and, um, you know, attracted uh, the police. And the police, what they saw was, oh, a, a lunatic waving a gun around because, of course, we're in Portland and, you know, we don't use guns here. But uh, he was immediately seized. He, he gave himself up to a police officer peacefully, and he was taken uh, into custody. And that evening he was actually let out because there wasn't really, you know, on his own recognizance. He, he doesn't have a record. He's not a criminal. He's not, you know, he's not a protester, for God's sakes. Thank God. Or you really have a criminal record. And um, the following day, he came to show back up to court as he was supposed to, 
uh, rather than fleeing the country or, you know, stealing somebody's social security <laughs> number. And um, they proceeded to charge him with, I believe, 21 counts of um, various charges, 11 which were felonious accounts. And he had a trial. Um, the trial was basically, you know, kangaroo court, as you would imagine. Um, and the, the judge, uh, uh, they basically, they tried to get it moved out of Multnomah County because he couldn't get a fair trial here. They had um, uh, found out basically by flyers and whatnot that they hand out questionnaires to the prospective jurors that, you know, they had all kinds of ridiculous answers. Whereas obvious he wasn't going to get an impartial jury. So he requested a non-jury trial. And, you know, we've been closely following this because it's 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 such an important story. It's, it's such an egregious, um, you know, on our rights. So basically uh, it came down last Friday that he had been actually uh, charged on all chart, all 21 counts, uh, which is just, you know, the guy didn't even he there's a picture that, that I don't even know if they allowed it into testimony or whatever, but he has his finger on the side of the guard of the gun. He hasn't even got it on the trigger, and it's up in the air. It's not pointed at anybody. He didn't fire it once. He didn't shoot anybody. And and he's looking at possibly 50 years prison time or worse, the minimum, for all those counts, because there's you know, a, a, a sentencing on each count, especially the f- felonies. And it's just, you know, we're, we're kind of all in shock. I mean, you know, this is this is ridiculous, and we really need people need to know about this. Now, you may hear me in the background trying to stifle a laugh in that clip, and the reason being is because at that point, I found the whole notion of Mike Strickland getting arrested for filming a Black Lives Matter event because that that's basically what happened. Uh, you know, he, in my view, he got arrested not so much for brandishing a firearm, but more over because he was filming a Black Lives Matter event and they didn't want him exposing their, uh, stuff. And, uh, so the whole process, you know, and their whole logic for arresting him, to me, it literally seemed laughable to me. And that's why I was trying super hard to stifle a laugh there. And it is, it is a joke, like Leo said, because he didn't fire his weapon. Um, he didn't threaten anyone. Uh, in fact, there's a video I'll link in the show notes where you can see uh, that Mike doesn't have his hand on the trigger. The Black Lives Matter dude is coming up to him, and he's... Mike is simply backing away, and then he finally unholsters his gun, and the guy freaks out and, uh, you know, tries to say that Mike threatened him or whatever. It's ridiculous. Well, when it got to uh, court, the judge... Uh, called Mike a Nazi. And this is a narrative that the liberal press out in Portland, the mainstream media, has been running with. 
So I asked Leo and Dan and Jai Bravo, another friend who joined us, what they thought of the Nazi uh, excuse for labeling Mike Strickland that the DA used, and this was the reaction. Let's take a listen. Dan, you can speak to this because I know you've been accused of this in the past too, is... uh, they love to throw around the term white supremacist a ton, and that was that was one of the characteristics that they used to uh, try and slam Mike, and it looks like, unfortunately, it worked. So uh, Mike doesn't have a jacked-up pickup truck, or he has no flags, uh, uh, Confederate flags on him. And I don't even think he listens to country-western music, so... <laughs> He doesn't, he's far from being a wire service. I mean, joking aside, um, you know, Mike, Mike is a person that, that, um, judges you for who you are as a human being, not the color of your skin or your religion or anything else. Mike yep. judges you as, as most people should. He's, he's not, it, that's just a lazy term, a talking point that they use. So next you'll hear Dan Sandini a friend of ours and one of Mike Strickland's close friends describe what happened when he took Mike back to court the following day. And Dan describes the arraignment process for Mike Strickland and his experience trying to film the arraignment as a citizen journalist, which he should have legally been allowed to do, but the judge did not want him filming the event. And Dan explains why. The original night that he was apprehended, uh, the uh, the sheriffs charged him with uh, a single misdemeanor and released him on his own recognizance. And uh, I brought him back to the courtroom the next day to face his arraignment. So they allowed him to go home. They didn't make him languish in jail, and the cops thought his actions were fairly reasonable that night. Um, and in, in between the time that he was arrested the previous night and showed up for the arraignment on the misdemeanor the next morning, the district attorney who was there, uh, first name's Kate, I can't remember what her last name is, but uh, she, um, she, uh, yeah, call, first of all, I tried to tape it, and there was both the Oregonian and Oregon public broadcasting in the audience that day when he was arraigned and uh, I was there. And so I rolled on my iPhone and uh, they told me to stop filming again. I mean, there's a history of this in Portland. And uh, I said, no, I'm not. There's two other people in the room here. You know, it's my first amendment, right? You need permission of the judge in order to film inside the courtroom. And the only people that were allowed to film or tape were the two left wing media outlets that were there and uh, getting back to Mike being a white supremacist, the uh, the district attorney called him that uh, when she uh, charged him with 21 felonies. And uh, uh, Leo, I think you misspoke. You said that he was charged on Friday. He was found guilty on Friday. So uh, oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, you just mis you just misspoke it. But it, well, you just know, in case some, just in case somebody else was white supremacists have a tendency to do. Maybe I'm just being overly skeptical and pessimistic, but it seems odd to me that 
A judge would not allow Dan Sandini, an independent citizen journalist, to do his reporting and his version of journalism and yet allow the press of the Portland State newspaper and the local newspaper to have their journalists there. Now, yes, I know that those press organizations are more established and that they're actual businesses and that Dan is an independent journalist. But still, as you have no doubt heard, uh, Portland's media isn't necessarily unbiased. Neither is the criminal justice system, as you're about to hear in Portland. Uh, they're all very much left of center and I think that journalists from both sides of the aisle uh, should be allowed to cover all sides of a particular story and event, regardless of whether they're uh, big-time journalist organizations like CNN or uh, Fox News or small independent guys like Dan Sandini uh, and myself. Aside from that, Dan is about ready to talk about the violence uh, coming from the left, how he has uh, personally been assaulted, and how the criminal justice system in Portland has done nothing to uh, bring him justice. And he also talks a bit about Mike Strickland's character in the next clip. You know, I, I've known Mike Strickland for 10 years now. So, uh, well, that's exaggerating a little bit. Eight years, okay, that we've been doing this in Portland. And they have used the courts against us multiple times. So I've been assaulted by the left for uh, refusing to stop filming at their events. And uh, the Multnomah County DA has refused to press charges against the, the leftist people who assaulted me. And then last year, Mike was jumped by a guy called Sky Fitzgerald, who is a leftist videographer. And um, once again, they refused to press charges against a guy who broke his arm. So Mike is coming into this a year after having his arm broken three places by these people. I talked to the surgeon after he came out of the, came out of the hospital. And the surgeon uh, well, came Sky out also surgery. stole his um, – ran off and, and stole his equipment as well. Yeah, you're right. Leo. When he was arrested or whatever by the police, he had had the stolen property of Mike's as well. So it was arse, larceny or whatever as well. As, as, but, he erased but I, all the I, content, I do, too. I do want to just get that point in there that this is a concerted effort that's been ramped up over time here by the uh, left to use the court system to silence the uh, citizen journalists, conservative citizen journalists in Portland. And you can expect that. You know, I, I know we've got you know three other conservative jur citizen journalists on the phone. If you show up at these events, that's what's going to happen to you. You can look at any number of examples. I know they've assaulted Leo, uh, Steve, Stephen Crowder got you know belted in the face famously multiple times. I talked to him about it. He didn't seem to be too affected by it, but I, Milo, I, you know, um, uh, James O'Keefe has had literally had the book thrown at him by a district attorney who threw a book at him. Uh, in, in an interview Hardstock. once. We talked about uh, that too, Dan. Yeah, Hardstock, a club. Yeah. But the point is here, this is the left using 
thug tactics, and then if that doesn't work, then they're going to use the court system. And they finally got they finally got Mike Strickland on a trumped up charge, and and uh, you know they're going to put him in jail. So Dan has clearly shown us, or described rather, that violence against citizen journalists on the right or in conservative media, same thing, tend to get beaten up and harassed and threatened almost on a, on a daily basis when they're reporting on something. But is this an isolated incident to hardcore leftists or is this starting to per- permeate more moderate liberals as well? I asked this very question in the interview and this was the response I got. This is what scares me is that the left the left has always had this propensity for violence on the far far left but what what really scares me is ever since the election of Trump more moderate liberals seem to be justifying it more and more um you know that Trump either Trump provoked it or um something else and that really scares the it scares the shit out of me honestly that that's happening in you know 2017 in America and um it's just well the more that's accepted the further they're going to go with um with no thought of of even considering it being excessive right and that's what's that's that's what's scary i mean for me you know, Dan is, is is has moved away from the state, and Mike is unable to do it right now. So, you know, I'm going to have a target in my back. It's not going to stop me, but... We've talked a pretty good deal about how left-wing activists can be violent, but what happens when local law enforcement and the criminal justice system is on their side of the political agenda and intimidates journalists and citizens who disagree with their political views. This actually happens in Portland a lot towards conservative journalists. And Dan personally describes a time when this occurred to him not too long ago. Take a listen. My house and read me the uh, read me the Oregon recording laws, or they tried to. I asked them, this was a, so in the state of Oregon, the state police are the governor's bodyguards. And so it's basically like his own personal goon squad, okay, that can be sent around to his political adversaries to harass the general public. It's actually, it's very chilling. You know, I I think back to the French Revolution and the, uh, and the Bastille, and that's what, justice center in portland oregon has become it's like the bastille was in uh, paris uh and we all know how that ended but they are using the justice system the only thing that we can't have influence on the justice system to uh to stifle their opposition in oregon that's how oregon is maintaining this uh leftist uh minority in in power is is by silencing the media through the use of the justice system. And, uh, you know, if you if you are a citizen journalist in Portland and you are assaulted, 
do not expect any justice from the system at all. The DA will not bring charges against the leftist protester who attacks a right-wing cameraman. It's just not going to happen. And on the other side, if you jaywalk, Leo, they're gonna they are gonna arrest you. That's what's gonna that's what's going to happen. Uh, every time you go down there, you should be ready to, you know, to to get arrested. And, you know, to, and Mike is a perfect example right here. And uh, well, I, I was... one may think that Dan is being a little over skeptical and cynical of the criminal justice system in Portland by saying that the police won't help you if you're a conservative journalist and you've been attacked by a left-winger. That sounds very cynical in nature, and normally I wouldn't buy it, except for the fact that this actually happened to Dan once. He was assaulted a few years ago by a left-wing radical, and the criminal justice system in Portland refused to press charges even though the facts were clearly on Dan's side. Take a listen to Dan describe what happened. Can do um, selective enforcement. It doesn't, you know, a cop who, you know, sees you commit a crime can choose to arrest you or not arrest you. That's his choice to be able to do that. And that's in the law. And so it's easy for them to discriminate in a place like Portland against, you know, the white guy with the video camera. And then on the, uh, you know, further up the food chain are the prosecutors. And this is where the real problem comes. And the prosecutors in our country have prosecutorial discretion. The, uh, you know, Comey can decide that he's going to press a charge or not press a charge. You know, uh, and um, th- that's how it works in Portland. The district attorney who is an elected office can choose, you know, he's got so much money and he can choose, I'm going to enforce these laws and I'm not going to enforce this, these laws. And so, you know, what presents the perfect irony in Portland is on the day that Mike Strickland is found guilty of 21 felonies simply for pulling his gun out to defend himself. That's all he did was pull his gun out to defend himself. On that same day, the lawless, violent protesters who broke windows and rampaged through Portland on J-20. Million dollars. They They dropped the charges on those guys. The same day, Sam. You were talking about Berkeley. So this in the same town on the same day, these crimes, you know, these crimes, these uh, on the same day that they're that they're that they're those charges are dropped against those people. They uh, find they find Strickland guilty. Now, you tell me that's a coincidence in timing. That is not a coincidence in timing. I can tell you that right now that they were waiting to drop those charges until they found Strickland guilty. Um, It's just. It's a travesty of justice. That's how, that was the headline from Victoria Taft, and it bears repeating. Sam, you did a great job on saying that Victoria Taft's blog, you can just Google her, Victoria Taft, and she has, she's covered this thing from the very beginning, and, and it, it really, it's worth the time for your listeners to go out there and, and read it. Victoria Taft is the main journalist in Oregon who's been covering this story, and she's the only one who has covered it in print media and web media, who is willing to give Mike Strickland a fair hearing. And I've linked her website in the articles, in the show notes, and in the card on tape right that you're currently uh, listening to. And I suggest you check out those articles. One thing that the web liberal media has tried to do here, ladies and gentlemen, and this is very important to note, 
Unless you see a photo of Mike Strickland, you would think that he was some beefy white supremacist dude. And that, yeah, he got arrested and it serves him right. But if you actually Google Mike Strickland, journalist, and see a photo of him, you'll see a guy who's uh, quite the opposite. He's a skinny dude, kind of like me. Uh, very kind of wiry and thin. Uh, not overly skinny, not bulimic, but still a thin guy. Uh, doesn't really look like, it, like he could put much of a fight. He doesn't really, um, no offense to him, and he, he doesn't really seem all that intimidating. And, uh, we talk about that factor here in this uh, next clip and it just adds to the, to the absurdity of why uh, Mr. Strickland was arrested in the first place. Oh, oh, they are. I, I, I can't remember where I saw it, but, you know, one of the reasons I asked you about, you know, whether, whether Mike was aggressive or not is... Just from a couple of the headlines, like on some of these liberal liberal blogs, if you didn't didn't know, and it, it and I'm going to point this out here too for the audience who isn't watching this on YouTube, uh, Mike Strickland, he's, and I don't want to insult him, but he's not really an athletic guy. He's a skinny. He's kind of a scrawny dude, kind of like I, I am, and he's not real athletic, the reason I point that out is a lot of these liberal sides, just from reading the headline, you would get this impression that he was this big, beefy, strapping, white supremacist dude who... He's, he's a technical individual. He's he's, he's he's more of a Bill Gates type. He's, right. He's a whiz at, at technical things. Right, yeah. But, you know, he... he and that that's my point he's not he's not one of these you know people who looks like he would pose a physical threat so um unfortunately for right now because of mike's guilty verdict it doesn't look like he'll have a chance to get a second trial at this point um and it's looking like he could serve jail time 50 years, in fact, uh, in the most extreme case. Now, you may be asking, well, Sam, if Mike's court case has already been decided, if his fate has already been decided by the courts, then why uh, bring up his story on your podcast at all? Why should this matter to us? Because Mike is an example of what could happen to a citizen journalist. I don't care what party you belong to or what your political affiliation is. Mike is an example of what happens when you oppose the opposition and the opposition, their cronies run the government. That might not have come out the most coherently, uh, but basically, 
this could happen to other journalists as well around the country who speak out. And it's important to know the dangers of doing citizen journalism because it can be dangerous and uh, corrupt institutions, they might not uh, perform physical assassinations anymore, but character assassinations. And that's what the Portland criminal justice system has done here uh, to Mike Strickland. Uh, so we talked about the importance of this case in the interview to kind of wrap it up. And uh, then I'll also have some more information about uh, Mike's legal defense fund in case he can get another trial hearing. Uh, but anyway, here's the summary of our interview. Uh, cut number five, go. Because it's possible for everybody to write the Attorney General of the United States. I mean, we can petition the government. That's one of our rights as the people. And I would encourage everybody to write to the Mr. Attorney Special. General. Write to him. No. And uh, and say, hey, you know, write to Donald Trump, write to any of your politicians and say, hey, you know, this this is uh, as the dudes would say, this will not stand. This injustice will not stand uh, because you're next. <laughs> say you you are you are next. And, and the, especially the attorney general of the United States. I think it starts at the top. I'm sorry to walk all over you there, Leo. Sorry. No, you're right. No, I, I uh, my hope. What I really want to, to do on this, and I think the best thing that we can do for Mike is to get the attention of individuals out there that aren't aware of this and and work it up through the system. Work it up to where, okay, uh, it gets Hannity's attention. It gets uh, Alex Jones's attention. That gets it up to Breitbart's attention. Breitbart then gets it up to, and to the point where it, it can't be ignored by anybody. And then, then you know, maybe Trump is going, wait, what's going on over in Oregon? Uh, that's... And, and that is, is, is how we, we do this. And mm -hmm. then the other thing is, is, is his sentencing doesn't occur till like May. And if nothing else, if, if, if we don't get the attention of those people, we bombard this like crazy and put pressure on them to suspend a sentence, to do very little or the outrage that will come out of uh, strong sentencing for him because everybody will hear it. And we know how many gun owners there are in this country and right. how many Second Amendment supporters there are. They need to be aware of this. Unfortunately, Everybody. if they don't, you know, if I, if you look at it from their perspective, if they don't give Mike jail time now, there's going to be outrage on the left. And that's just a scary, no, scary we thought. We have like, we have the presidency. We have the House. We have the Senate. Tough. Too bad. Right? <laughs> I agree with you. Tough shit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, shit. Well, like I, like I said, they'd be have they'd be unhappy, you know, no matter what happens. So, <laughs> but, uh, well, true. That is what so Mike true. was. What Mike was telling me, I thought this whole time it was a Second Amendment issue. I still think it kind of is, but I feel like the left has used that to piggyback to make it a First Amendment issue. And Mike was telling me specifically, like this is them trying to silence us. 
And you're starting to see that. Like Sam brought up Berkeley and just like they're trying to silence Trump. So this is two issues at once. They're just using the Second Amendment because Portland's got some strict anti-gun stuff going on. But this all this was was them silencing him. They just used the gun issue against him. So I think if you can get Second Amendment supporters on here, great. But also get the First Amendment ones on there. All the bloggers, all the people who think that they have freedom of speech. Well, guess what? The other guy. Yeah. 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 Well, I, yeah. I, I, talking about it, I think is the best thing we can do right now is just getting the word out, like Leo was saying. It's, yeah. I, that, I, that, that that seems to be the best thing for me to me because um, it's it, it, uh, as we saw it. You know, here's another thing: uh, a little inside baseball for people who don't live in Oregon. Uh, Dan and Mike going down and speaking at those hearings when they wanted to implement these gun laws helped make a difference because the the legislators there heard from the people, if you implement this, you will not have a position the next time um, we vote. You guys are not going to get back in. Particularly on the guns, it's, it's Mike. You know, I mean, that's his ballpark, his bailiwick, and they have finally found a way to silence him. And right now, there's going to be nobody to tell the truth on the next round of these gun bills. Watch what happens with these gun bills in Oregon. You know, Oregon's a very good state for guns right now. It, you know, maintains maintains our Second Amendment rights. But without Mike there to stop that, let, let me. I know that there may be some listening to this podcast who might not agree with Mike Strickland's conservative politics, or mine for that matter, or Dan, or Leo, or Jai. But Mike is an investigative journalist and he has reported uh, multiple sides of a story and then put a spin on it. That's what journalism is. Let's be honest, folks. In reality, every journalist has a bias. The trick is to know... uh, which bias your journalist has. Uh, and Mike Strickland and Dan and Leo and Jai and I were all pretty upfront and obvious about ours. Uh, the left, not so much. But if you believe in freedom of speech, if you believe in free journalism, then this is a case that you'll definitely want to research for yourselves. Uh, and you'll want to Help out, Mike, if you can. Uh, and in fact, we have some information about Mike Strickland's legal defense fund. And I misspoke earlier. Uh, sentencing actually happens in May. Um, so, Dan's going to describe in the next clip about Mike Strickland's defense fund. And I have a link to the defense fund in the show notes. Uh, or if you're listening on tape, right, like I said, all that information will be in the relevant card. Mike or anything that listeners yeah. do at this point that we need to know about. I'll, I'll throw in, I'll throw in real quick that Kevin Starrett, who runs the Oregon Firearms Federation, has been gathering money for a legal fund for Mike. And OFF. But, OFF. Oregon Oregon Firearms Federation. If people just Google that and go to the OFF, and you don't have to be an Oregon resident to do it, 
join the OFF and just write in in the comments field on your uh, on your PayPal or whatever it is for joining the OFF that you you know you'd like to allocate. Uh, you'd like to allocate some of your money that you're giving to the uh, OFF. I think it's possible to just just say to Kevin when you're doing that, "Hey, uh, earmark this part of earmark this much of the uh, donation." And Sam, I'll send you a link where people can can do that directly. I have some instructions on that someplace on exactly how you can uh, can donate to Mike's legal fund. And if people want to watch my videos. All right, and that just about concludes this episode of the Wheatfield Report. Um, I want to thank Leo for bringing this story about Mike Strickland to my attention. I'd also like to thank Dan uh, and Jai for joining me for the full interview. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't uh, use very many of Jai Bravo's clips in this uh, interview, uh, for this show at least. Um, but I was very grateful to have her on as well. And I actually, we, po- we posted the full interview, uh, kind of like a full documentary type thing on YouTube, a, a video podcast. Um, it's an hour long. Um, and you can see uh, Leo, Jai, and myself all on video. Dan's off camera. He was, um, doing something else and he didn't want his face to be seen. Um, so he's off camera, but the three of us, uh, Leo, Jai, and myself were all on camera. You can go watch that on the American Watchmen YouTube channel and I'll have a link in the show notes, obviously. And I'll link to uh, Mike's Legal Defense Fund again. And I also want to thank Victoria Taft, the journalist from Portland. Uh, she and I hadn't really had any interactions prior to this, but she sent me the links uh, to her articles, and I want to thank her for providing uh, those to me as well for the show. And folks, I really hope you're motivated to uh, at least check out uh, Mike Strickland's story and uh, determine things for yourself about this because this is important stuff. So anyway, folks, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Wolfville Report. If you uh, like us, uh, you can go to the Whitfield Report Facebook page and like it and leave a comment. You can follow me on Twitter at SMDV underscore NGC. Hashtag WRA Show. Uh, please follow this show and follow me on TapeWrite. And uh, next episode, I'll be having James Alsup on. Uh, he's a young conservative for Trump uh, who was at the inauguration and got hit in the head with a flagpole by an anti-Trump protester. Um so I'll be having him on next episode to discuss his story and what he had to deal with. All right, folks, uh, I want to thank you for listening to the program uh, tonight, today, or whenever you're listening to this. And uh, I'll, until next time, God save this great nation, and thank you for listening. <laughs>